Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Well, it's exciting to be here tonight, folks, um, because we get to jump into a new study. Um, So this is what I encourage you to do. Go and take your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews, and then also, if you've got this, take out your Bible study outlines that are found right here in the center of your your little guide here tonight. Now, this is part of one of the things that I love about Wednesday nights. On Wednesday nights, we're able to dig in and go deep and spend a lot of time going through entire books of the Bible. Um, we've done that over the last um, several years, the last couple of years. Basically, we take the entire school year and we dig into um, um, the Scriptures. Like we did that with the entire book of Romans. We did that with the entire book of Acts. We did that with the entire book of um, um, Revelation a couple of years ago. Last year, we looked at Elijah and Elisha. And now this year, we are going to be studying one of the richest books in the New Testament. It is the book of Hebrews. And, um, and so this is going to be a study that you're not going to want to miss. Um, now, if you, you're not familiar with what we do on Wednesday nights, um, we have a number of pastors in our church. Pastors on staff, pastors that um, are retired here. And so we have, you'll have a different pastor almost every night. I'll be preaching several times during this study, and Travis will and others as well. But you'll actually get to hear a number of pastors as we study and go through verse by verse through the book of Hebrews. Now let me give you a little um, background or introduction about the book of Hebrews. Um, by the very name, Hebrews means that this book was written to Jewish Christians, right? Hebrews. Now, who were these individuals? These were individuals, they were Jewish, that they believed that Jesus Christ was a Messiah. But no sooner had they put their faith in Jesus Christ, they came under persecution. They were being persecuted by the Romans, who hated Jews, and they were being persecuted by the Jews, who hated Christians. I mean, they were getting a double-barrel load of hate from everybody around them. And so they're like, oh my goodness, this is really tough, having Jesus as the Messiah. And so they're like, you know what? Is it worth it? You know, I, I mean, we're still Jews, and um, it'd be real easy for us to just keep our faith in, like a, in a closet and just go, okay, yeah, yeah, so we believe Jesus is the Messiah, or he's a great, you know, prophet or whatever, but then just slip back into our old Judaism, and then that way we'll be accepted in the Jewish community again, and we won't face all the same persecution that we've been facing. And the writer of Hebrews says, you can't do that. The writer of Hebrews says, once you found the real deal, you can't go back to the counterfeit, right? Once you found the real thing, you can't go back to the shadow. You've got to be all in in Jesus Christ. And so basically what you're going to have through the entire book of Hebrews, you're going to have this contrast between the old and the new, the, the old that was leading up to Christ and Christ who's the fulfillment of all this. And and really, if you could just summarize the book of Hebrews, the whole book of Hebrews is going to tell you how awesome Jesus is, okay? This is going to be a great study because you're going to learn every week just how incredibly awesome Jesus is. And Jesus is so much better than anything else. Let me see if I can illustrate it like this. Um, How many of you, take a look at this picture right here. How many of you ever used one of these before? Anybody? Raise your hand, okay? Most of you here, right? Okay. And and those of you that used a typewriter, you remember when you made a mistake, what did you have to do? You have to get white out. Can you believe this? I found this in my desk. 
It's all dried up. But anyway, you know, but you, you just wide out and you're like, you know, fingernail polish. You just, you know, get rid of your thing and blow it and you try to correct it and you got to retype it, right? And, and then I remember the first time I got a computer and a word processor, you know what? And it was amazing and I got rid of my typewriter immediately. Because once you got that, you would never go back to the typewriter, right? How about this? How many of you have ever um, used one of these before? Rotary phone. Rotary phone? I mean, remember... Rotary phone, um, if you were expecting a call, you had to wait by the phone. There was no messaging. There was no texting, right? And um, that's how we communicated back then. But then we got a cell phone. And everybody's got a cell phone. You can text and you can message each other. Once you had a cell phone, would you ever want to go back to that? Of course not. Okay. Um, How many of you ever used one of these? An outhouse. Anybody? Okay, a lot of you more than I thought. Actually, when I was real young, we went to my uncle's house, and he had an outhouse. And I remember going into that dark, stinky place. It was very bad. Now, today, I mean, you know what? We got indoor plumbing, obviously. You know, there are some bathrooms that are bigger than houses. You know, you got, you know, heated floors and beautiful countertops and mirrors and walk-in showers. Why would you ever go back to that? When you've experienced an indoor bathroom, right? Of course, you you just never you never would. Okay, Um, how about this? How many of you have ever used this before? Anybody? There's a few of you. Okay, an old washboard. Okay, I've never I've never used that. Okay, but I've been to third world countries where I still see them use that. Okay, and and so you know you got an old washboard. What would what it would do? You'd have to do do it all by hand today. Man, we got washers and dryers. You can do your family's, you know, laundry, hopefully in a day or so. And, you know, it's no extra work. All you can do is fold it. And for some reason, I hate folding clothes, right? I mean, but you know, who would go back to that once you've experienced a washer and a dryer, okay? Okay, I'm really curious. This next picture, how many of you ever rode in one of these? <laughs> okay, a covered wagon when you went out west, okay? <laughs> now, notice there how many horsepower that's got. It's got two horsepower, right? Today, we have a car that has 200, 300 horsepower, right? I mean, we got um, AC and heat. We've got, we've got stereo. We've got satellite navigation. You've got heated seats, power windows, and locks. Who would ever go back to that once you've driven a car? Does that make sense? And that's what the entire book of Hebrews is going to tell us. He's going to lay this stuff out point by point by point and go, why would you ever think of going back once you've found the real deal, once you've found Jesus Christ? And we're going to learn that the entire book of Hebrews talks about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And the first three verses are some of those power-packed verses in the Bible. So let's look at them together. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning verse 1, look at what God's word says. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Verse 3, the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Now, those are power-packed verses. So let's unpack them tonight. And let's learn how Jesus is superior to everything else. First of all, jot this on your outline. Number one, Jesus is God's final word. 
we're going to discover that Jesus is God's final word. See, God is alive and he's not silent. And God has been communicating to humanity throughout the years. In what ways? Well, again, verse 1, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Now, in the Old Testament, the primary way that God spoke was how? Through prophets. But that wasn't the only way that he spoke. God also spoke through dreams and visions and angels and out of a whirlwind and, and th- from a burning bush. You have the book of Psalms as a worship songs or, you know, book of Proverbs, pithy one-liners, you know. I mean, God spoke out of the mouth of a donkey, right? I mean, God, God has spoken all these different kind of ways. But how does God speak in the end times? Look at it again. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Now, that word by his son, that word by there, actually in Greek, it is in. It just literally means he spoke in his son. You go, what's, what's significant about that? Because Jesus isn't just one who declares the word of God. No, Jesus is the word of God. Jesus isn't just a, a prophet like any other prophet that spoke in the past. No, Jesus is the very embodiment of the word of God. And when, when is he spoken? In the last days. Did you know that you're living in the last days? In the last 2,000 years, these are the last days. When Jesus Christ came, that was a game changer. Everything was different when Jesus Christ came. There's three major acts of God. There is God who acted in creation, right? And then God who acted um, through Israel. You got Abraham's descendants in all of the Old Testament. And then you have God who acted in Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's final act. Boom, that's it. And so anytime anybody wants to come to you and they say, well, 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 no, there's another act on top of Jesus. You go, you're a liar, Okay. I mean, you know, you have the Muslims or the Mormons. You know, the Muslims will say, well, after Jesus came another prophet, Muhammad, in the 7th century. Or you got Joseph Smith of the Mormons who say, you know, I I saw this angel Moroni and he gave me special glasses and and I have a new revelation. You go, you're lying. Why? Because the Bible says Jesus is the final word. Don't be adding on top of Jesus. It's Jesus, okay? Now, you may go, well, what about the apostles? I mean, they... They spoke, they wrote after Jesus, yes, but it was always pointing to Jesus. You you see, it wasn't something new, it was pointing to who Jesus Christ was. And that's what you always got to remember. The Old Testament predicted Christ and the New Testament presented Christ. The Old Testament anticipated the Messiah and the New Testament announced the Messiah. It all points to Jesus Christ. I mean, there's, there's over a hundred passages that clearly prophesy about Jesus Christ and how he would come. You have Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, that predicted that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Or you have, you know, Isaiah 53 that, you know, graphically details Jesus' scourging and the crucifixion. You see, what a lot of people do is they read the Old Testament and they think it's just a bunch of faith stories. And they may go, hey, let's do a little study on David or, or, you know, Joseph or Abraham or Daniel. As though they're on equal par with Jesus. And they're not. They're all pointing to Jesus. I love the way Tim Keller put it. I'll, I'll quote him. He said this, Jesus is the true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and whose obedience is now imputed to us. 
Jesus is the truer and better Isaac, who was not just offered by his father on the mount, but was actually sacrificed for us. Jesus is the truer and better Joseph, who sits at the right hand of God and forgives those who betrayed him and uses his new power to save them. Jesus is the truer and better Moses, who stands in the gap between the people and the Lord and who mediates a new covenant. Jesus is the truer and better Job, who is truly the innocent sufferer, who intercedes for his stupid friends. Jesus is the truer and better David, whose victory became ours even though we didn't lift a stone to help him. Jesus is the truer and better Samson, who was crushed under the weight of the wicked world and then conquered all of his enemies to save us. Jesus is the real Passover lamb. He's the true temple. He's the true prophet. He's the true priest. He's the true king. It all points to Jesus Christ. You need to know Jesus is the final word of God. That's significant. Second thing we learn in this passage is that Jesus is the creator of the universe. Jesus is the creator of the universe. Now, I've got to admit to you, the very first time that I realized that Jesus was the creator, I was blown away. Because I'm like, wait wait a minute, I know Jesus is the son of God. You're telling me Jesus is the creator? He's my creator? Yes. The Bible teaches that over and over again. It says it here in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. And through whom also he made the universe. Jesus made the universe. You go, well, what are some other passages that teach us? Look at Colossians chapter 1. For in him, in Christ, all things were created. All things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Jesus created it all, folks. Everything, everything you see, everything visible and invisible, Jesus has created it all. That's why Jesus could rebuke a fig tree and it wither. He's the one who created it. That's why Jesus could rebuke the wind and the waves and they stop because he created them. That's why Jesus could walk on water and defy gravity because he made the laws of gravity. Everything you see, every animal, every mountain, every tree, every star at the farthest galaxy, Jesus Christ created them all. Now you contrast Jesus with your creative ability. We, we put a deck on our back porch and go, woo, look at us. <laughs> whoop de doo Jesus created the world, right? Slightly different. Now, the fact is, is that whenever we think about Christ, it's, it's important to understand just how great and powerful Jesus is. So I think a, a simple way of doing that is just trying to describe the greatness and the vastness of our universe. Let me just show you a few pictures. You've probably seen these before. This first picture are the planets in our solar system. And basically you have, right on the very bottom left is that little one there. That one's Earth. Okay? And we go, ooh, we're not that big. And, and we're, we're on that planet? Yeah. Okay? And so then, now let's put all of our planets compared to our sun. All right? And that little speck right down there. You got Jupiter and Saturn and a little speck there. there there's the Earth right there. Okay? In, in fact, the reality is, is that our Earth can fit into our sun 1,200,000 times with room left over. And, and you think about just those stars and that sun, that's our solar system. If you drove from one side to the other, that would be 7.5 billion miles. If you were in a car and you drove 65 miles an hour, that means it would take you 13,172 years to just go across 
our solar system, okay? And then, of course, our solar system is in the Milky Way galaxy. The Milky Way galaxy, they estimate to have about 100 billion stars like ours. And the Milky Way galaxy, they say, if you travel the speed of light, is how big? It is It would take you 100,000 years to go from one side of the Milky Way galaxy to the other. And that's if you're traveling the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles per second. Okay? So what does that mean? That means tonight you go outside. If you've got a a telescope and you look up at some distant star that may be at the very edge of the Milky Way galaxy, you are seeing light that came from that star 100,000 years ago. That, you look back in history, and that's just our galaxy. And then you know what? The universe, there are 50 to 100 billion other galaxies just like ours. Do you understand how big this universe is? And our God created it all with his very power of his word. The Bible says he measured the universe in the palm of his hand. Jesus Christ did that. Now you may go, well, this just sort of, you know, Gives me sort of a small, shrinking feeling. Good. (laughs) See, our problem is, is we puff ourselves up so much, and we make God really, 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 really small. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, stop diminishing Jesus. He's the creator of it all. Okay? Okay? Jesus is the final word. Jesus is your creator, the creator of the universe. Third thing the writer of Hebrews tells us is this. Jesus perfectly represents God. Jesus perfectly represents God. That means if you really want to know what God is like and how God feels and how God thinks and how God acts and interacts, just look at the life of Jesus Christ. There was this boy who was coloring one day, and his mom looked at him drawing this picture, and she said to him, son, what you drawing? And he goes, well, I'm drawing a picture of God. And she goes, well, nobody knows what God looks like. And he says, when I'm done, they will, right? <laughs> well, if you really want to know what God looks like, you look at Jesus. Look again what it says, verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. That means that Jesus literally, he radiated the glory and the essence of God. I mean, think again of our sun. I mean, our sun radiates, right? The very core of our sun, you got high-pressure environment, atoms colliding, it generates light and heat, right? I mean, the sun is 93 million miles away from the earth. If our earth got a little bit closer, we'd all melt, right? And that's just a lesser creation of God. Imagine the glory of God, the one who created all of the stars. That's Jesus Christ. You go, Why didn't sinful people die in the presence of Jesus? In the Old Testament, you know what? That's what would happen. People look at God, they die. Well, that's why Jesus came in flesh. That's why Jesus took on human form. Why? Because God didn't come here to burn you. God came here to love you and embrace you and heal you. Now, we get a glimpse of who Jesus was in the story of the Mount of Transfiguration in the Gospels. You have Jesus go up on this mount with Peter, James, and John, and the Bible says that he was transfigured in front of them. That means the glory that was covered by Jesus' human flesh was suddenly exposed, and suddenly he radiated, and he was so glorious, he said he was as bright as the sun. 
That's Jesus Christ. Jesus radiates the Father's glory. But notice how else he's described. Verse 3. The Son is the, the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Circle that. Exact representation. The, the idea there is sort of a signet ring. You know, I, I, I have this little signet ring that I've wore since college. And a signet ring back in the day is that you take hot wax and you take a signet ring, and it's almost like a signature. You'd press it down into the hot wax, and it would be an exact representation of the signet ring. Well, that's the idea here. Jesus Christ is the exact representation of God. If you ever wonder what God's like, all you got to do is look at Jesus Christ. I mean, if, if you have this image of God, okay, God is this angry, forceful being in heaven with a whip, and he's just waiting for us to get out of line and squash us like bugs... Or maybe some of you, your image of God is he's this doting grandfather that doesn't care what you do just so long you're happy, okay? And neither one of those are right, by the way. If you want to know who, who God is like, you look at Jesus Christ and how he responded. Look at how it's written in the Gospel of John. John chapter 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God. The only Son who is truly God is closest to the Father, has shown us what God is like. How Jesus walked and lived and talked. It was, is how God feels. Um, I can remember um, a few weekends back, we had a couple of um, funerals that were really hard. You know, a, a death of, you know, a, a boy that had been wrestling with cancer, another death of um, a young man who had drowned at the lake. And so I was a part of both of those funerals. And, um, and you know, you have a lot of people that will ask, you know, where is God or why God or, you know, what does God think about all that kind of stuff? And, and my answer always is, if you want to know what God thinks about our suffering, our pain, our hurt, just look at Jesus. You know, he, he pressed his finger in the wounds of the leper. He, he felt the hot tears of the sinful woman on his feet. He, he heard the cries of the hungry. Listen to me. That's our God. You want to know what, how God feels and what God thinks? Look at Jesus Christ. He's the exact representation of God. Now, now some people will say, well, you know, I'm spiritual. I believe in God. I like God or whatever in my image of God, but I'm not really into Jesus. And, and I would say, um, then you don't really know God. You can't have one without the other. If you say you want God, then you need Jesus. Jesus is a representative of God. Are you beginning to see why you can't go back to old religion? Jesus is the final word. He's the creator. He is the one who represents God to us. But there's one final thing we learn in this passage. Jesus provided complete salvation. Jesus provided complete salvation. This is the best part. This is the part that just amazes me more than all of the rest. Look at it, verse 3. After he had provided purification for sins. So that, purification for sins. You go, why? And we're just a speck on this planet. Why in the world would the creator of the universe be willing to die for me? There's only one explanation. He loves you, and he wants you to spend eternity with you. That's it. Every one of us are sinners, and, and yet what we do... We justify our sins and we rationalize away our sins. And my sin's not really that big a deal. Sure, Jesus died for me, but it really wasn't that bad, you know. You know, the, the amazing thing is, is that we live in an entire society. They'll look at us and they'll basically say, don't tell me how to live, right? 
you know, right and wrong and sin. That's just a creation of the church. That's what our culture says. If you don't believe in sin, turn on the evening news. Right? You don't believe there's right and wrong? Let me slap you and steal your stuff. Suddenly you'll think there's something right and wrong, won't you? Right? Of course we do. And yet what we do is we sin and we think it's not that big a deal. And yet here's God who's created us and loves us and he's purchased us on the cross. I mean, think about it from God's perspective. He created the universe. He created us. And yet we are the rebel race. His creation rebels against him. God gives us breath and we curse him with it. God gives us intellect and we think we're too smart for him. I mean, you know what? God would be completely justified to say, I've had it with this creation, destroying all of you, and I'm going to start with another people, another species, at some other part of my universe. But he doesn't. Why? Because he loves you. That's beyond comprehension to me. But that's what it is, complete salvation. He provided purification for our sins. But notice what else. After he had provided purification for our sins, look at it, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Why do you sit down? Because you're done, right? I mean, in the Old Testament, you had the sacrificial system. And what happened? You know, everybody had to, you know, go to the temple. They had to provide an an animal to be sacrificed. Every um, family, at least once a year, had to go to Jerusalem to provide a sacrifice. You had all the priests. They were constantly sacrificing animals. Imagine you have an altar that literally tens of thousands of animals are sacrificed on that altar every day. And none of that does away with sin. It just sort of temporarily covers over it. That the priests never could sit down because their job was never done. And yet Jesus Christ sacrificed himself. One sacrifice for all time, and then he sat down. What does that mean? It's finished. That's what it means. See, that's the difference between Christianity and any other religion. All religions will say this. The prophets tell you to obey, and then God will accept you. And yet Jesus Christ says, believe, and then you'll be accepted by faith. And then guess what? Then you'll start to obey. Do you see the difference? One is a works mentality. The other is a grace mentality. One is just religion. And, and, if, and if you're always going, okay, I've got to do certain things to be accepted by God, then guess what? You're always living in fear because you never really know, have I done enough to please God? And if you blow it every now and then, you're overwhelmed with guilt. Or let's just say that everybody around you is a bigger sinner than you are, and you feel really righteous about yourself, and you're looking down with pride on everybody. That's religion. And that's why, you know, some of the greatest atrocities that happen around the world are done by religious people. That's religion. That's not Christianity. What is Christianity? Christianity is Jesus Christ dying for you, rising again, and then you by faith saying, I believe. It's done. See, whenever Jesus was on the cross, what did he cry out? He says, it is finished. He didn't say, okay, did a little bit. The rest is up to you. No, it's grace. Jesus provided purification for sins, and then he sat down. It is complete. 
Now, whenever you look at who Jesus Christ is described in this passage, he is the final word of God. He is the creator. He's the representation of Almighty God. He died for our sins, and he gives us complete, perfect salvation. What is our response to such a Savior? Is it, you know what, I'll think about it, and I'll go back to my old religion. No, here's the response. Shout this down. Absolute surrender of our lives to Jesus. It's absolute surrender of our lives to Jesus. And see, that's what's wrong with American Christianity. Because there are many people in the church that will hear these truths and they go, yeah, yeah, I guess I believe all that. And their lives are not directed toward Christ at all. You know, they they don't hate Jesus. They're just not all in following Jesus. See, I really believe that a lot of Christians, they treat Jesus sort of like a weatherman, right? I mean, when do you watch a weatherman? You may every day turn it on and look a little bit and go, okay, sure, okay, yeah, sure. I may, I may bring an umbrella today. Or, or whenever a storm's coming, okay, you really pay attention. Okay, well, you know, tornado watch, I better watch this, right? And that's the way we are. We treat Jesus like a weatherman. We occasionally glance over at him. Maybe when a storm comes in our life, we really try to pay attention then, right? But, but you know, if we're not treating Jesus like a weatherman, some of you treat Jesus like your personal assistant. And, um, and prayer is how you get God to do what you want for your life. See, this is what infuriates me about the health and wealth doctrine that is preached all across America. They, 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 they make God out to be this genie and your personal assistant. And God is all about you fulfilling your plans for your life. Can I tell you something? If Jesus Christ is God's final word, he is your creator. He is the one who gives you complete, perfect salvation. If you really understand that, you fall on your face and you lift up your hands and you say, you are God, you command me. I don't command you, you command me. That's the response. That's absolute surrender. And yet, we got a group of our society who say, Jesus, I don't believe in him at all. And you got other Christians that, man, they're all in, but the vast majority are in the shallow middle. All right? And you know who Jesus calls them? The lukewarm. They're neither hot nor cold. And Jesus says, I wish you were either hot or cold because you're lukewarm. You make me sick. I want to spew you out of my mouth. You know, if we're going to go through the book of Hebrews, you can't be lukewarm. Man, it's going to charge you up, and you're going to say, man, I I can't play games with God. I'm all in. I can't drift around the way these people were. i got to get all in. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, which means what? That means the star breather became your sin bearer. And the very same one who holds the universe together by the power of his word wants to hold you together. But you got to trust him with all your life. Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. 
You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale. And we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.